0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: Hey, welcome to the 308th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Ryan Godoy, Ryan Lagarde, Ryan Kindle, and Ryan Moulton. I'm Matt love.
1: And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have an episode all about Ryan's. Just kidding, but that would be great. I do want to shout out Ryan Moulton specifically. He has been a patron
2: since April 28th, 2018. (laughs) Pre-COVID. I hope you're still listening, Ryan, and that this doesn't remind you to turn off your Patreon. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm sure he's not listening, but Ryan Godoy is listening. He's been a patron since 2019, also pre-COVID.
2: Not bad, not bad.
1: 50% of all Ryans who are patrons to our podcast
2: joined pre-pandemic pre-pandemic when do you think we'll do a live show that's a great question i feel like in the summer we might be able to yeah i don't
1: know i know i'm jinxing us patreon.com slash just shoot a pod if you want to support us you want to be a ryan (laughs) go to (laughs) patreon.com you don't have have to be named
2: ryan to support our, our patreon ideally you would change your name to ryan if you were named ryan and you were listening right now and you've been thinking about subscribing to our patreon now is the time. Can we also
1: get some mats? We need a few more mats as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. $15 gets you a Just Shoot It podcast hat. Let's get into the show. Today, we're going
2: to talk about preparing for a meeting. A Hollywood meeting and also working outside of your wheelhouse. We have both have kind of been able to stretch our wings a little bit recently. But the last project I just did had all sorts of stuff that I don't normally get to do. And it was a real treat, but also poses the question of like adjusting your approach and figuring out how to tackle different challenges. Matt, you <laughs> have been preparing for some meetings. I have indeed. Um, and you had a big fancy Hollywood meeting just recently as well.
1: Yeah, I would say on the scope of Hollywood meetings, it was not big. It was probably like you know, on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is like mm-hmm. you're meeting with Spielberg at CAA to see if he wants to produce your feature film. And a five is maybe some agent at Paradigm wants to potentially rep you. Mm-hmm. This is like a three.
2: Before you even tell us about the actual meeting, I'm curious, what are the signs that you were in a big meeting versus a smaller meeting?
1: Well, I guess there's a couple of things. There's the stakes like what are you meeting about is it a general meeting which is just like get to know you Mm -hmm. or is it are you meeting on a specific project Mm -hmm. you know when there's a project it's i think it's bigger than a general like hey let's meet Mm -hmm. when you are in the position of power all of a sudden that that's the best meeting that's a different deal Uh, but it's a rare (laughs) rare meeting
2: can i say that at my time at comedy central when i was doing development the likelihood that a person had a true understanding of the size of the meeting of the importance of the meeting was almost always nil unless you were very famous person, unless you were like Chris Rock pitching a show and every executive in the whole building was all there for the meeting. Generals can be like the backdoor interview to doing a pilot or they can be a throwaway meeting Pitches can be throwaway meetings or they can be huge. It kind of leads me to like the, the thing that I think is maybe the most helpful, not the most helpful, but a thing that you can do is in terms of preparation is like just a little research on all of the people who have been CC'd on the meeting calendar invite mm-hmm. to figure out who those players are, but also to not be disappointed or surprised If more people or fewer people show up, we're talking assistants. We're also talking other executives. All of those people are in the mix. And sometimes their boss is like, Oh, Hey, Orin, you need to go join Matt on this pitch. Or sometimes you're like, "Ah, I'm really slammed. Can you cover for me? And in that situation, you're listening to pitches. You're not pitching. Correct. Yeah. 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 You and I are the executives in in that uh, role play there. Adjacent to that
1: thought you asked like what makes the meeting big or small? I think the kind of general thought is if you're meeting with 20th century Fox or universal studios or NBC or Judd Apatow or, you know, Shonda Rhimes, that's a big meeting. And if you're meeting with your friends that have a production company that might want to help you with your proof of concept, Mm -hmm. then you'd think that's a small meeting. But in my experience, the exact opposite has been true in terms of, actual results over the long run Mm -hmm. like that small production company that helps me make the proof of concept ends up getting me way more traction than my meeting with you know the producer of
2: breaking bed yeah and 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 it's a little bit of a crapshoot because sometimes those meetings can really pan out which kind of goes back to my point that like it's it's rare that the person taking the meeting really has a complete understanding of who the decision makers are and how far down the line they are. Because also like, you know, just because you're pitching to people who are junior, those people can vouch for you and say, you know, I really love this meeting and I think we should read it and, and pitch it up the ladder. You know what I mean? Like there's always the first step is always going to be somebody kind of on the junior side. So don't let that discourage you when you see an intern and, you know, Madden Low in his 20s. Right. You know, because yeah. he was hungry, you know. Yeah. You know,
1: um, our friend Ken Fuhrer, his assistants, his interns, basically, when he was worked in development were the Stranger Things guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, both of them? Yep. That's weird. <laughs> they're like, we, we interned together as well.
2: That's so strange.
1: I mean, they're like a team, you know. I don't know. It's not that strange. They, they interned at this company, Bonafide Pictures, which made... Hamlet 2 and Mm -hmm. Cold Mountain. Some really good Steve Carell movie that I'm blanking on. Oh, A Little Miss Sunshine. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, and if you really want to get an excellent rundown on why it's important to have meetings and stay in touch with people, you should definitely listen to our Natalie Metzger episode Mm -hmm. because she really, she walks us through, you know, she's a producer, features mostly. She's also a writer and director and does a lot of other things, but she walked us through a few movies that she produced and how she met the directors on them. And, you know, all of them were directors that she knew before the project existed. Mm -hmm. And so the value of a meeting, even if you don't get the job or it's, there is no project is that you are reminding people that you exist and that you tell them kind of the type of stuff you're into. And you hope that a project that they have lines up with you and maybe they'll call you. And that's, Personally, how I get a lot of work, yeah yeah um, on the directing it, even like in the commercial world in the episodic world in the promo world and in, in every part of the world, it's just so good to meet with people and let them know what you do and what you want to do. I mean, there are definitely bad meetings, you know, there are meetings mm-hmm. where you don't quite get along, there's like some friction or you just are totally unprepared, which we'll talk about shortly, but in general, keeping your name out there is
2: super helpful in terms of getting jobs speaking of and i think we'll we'll dig into this a little bit more you know we were mentioning how generals are kind of the the most amorphous have you ever been on a general where all of a sudden you realize you're kind of soft pitching a few ideas
1: yeah i mean i think most generals are like that and I do think that like you do get way better at meetings the more meetings you have. <laughs> I mean, as obvious as it sounds, I can think a lot of my first general meetings when I first got repped and they were like, oh, you should meet this person at this studio or this production company I would just go and meet them. And I didn't have any. They'd be like, what? What are you into? I'd be like, I don't know. Seinfeld. You know, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I had no nothing ready. But What's the I deal kinda,
2: with general meetings? <laughs>
1: yeah. I kind of learned like, oh, this company makes like I met with them. Um, gunpowder and sky once mm-hmm. you know that company mm-hmm. or a couple times i think and they make kind of like lower budget small studio like genre films mm-hmm. and some sci-fi stuff some and, comedy and when stuff. you
2: say lower budget you kind of you mean in the like like the five, million five to fifteen million i think they're yeah somewhere in that zone so like honestly yeah. now like i mean it's awesome ha- it's
1: a sounds great awesome budget for me but low budget for a studio right yeah. right you know, if you know you're going to meet with a company like that, then you have your like actually like your movie, you know, mm-hmm. ready to tell them about and maybe even have a lookbook or you talk about some casting. Or you, ha- you can even offhandedly mention like, oh, you know, I'm working on this project mm-hmm. about th- this weird scenario. It's like really about responsibility, but it takes place. And, mm-hmm. you know, this on this alien planet, whatever it yeah. is
2: to put a pin in this part of the topic meetings can change and evolve and grow and so you kind of have to mentally be prepared and the more you know about the people you're meeting with and the company and the the things that they make the more informed and more prepared you can be to kind of throw the things that you do at them in a concise way the question and i've talked about it on the show but it's been a while the question that i'll always get at a general is what are you watching right now Or, like, what's your favorite movie? And Mm -hmm. both of those questions are always, like, just a softball for, like, tell us what you like so that we can make the thing that you like together. Or so that we can see if we are See if we're compatible. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, I've got a hit YA web series comedy under my belt and a bunch of sketch comedy. And I come from Comedy Central. And when they say, what's your favorite movie? Don't say Alien. Right. Which is the piano. Maybe my favorite movie. Say, say Fargo even. Just say Ferris Bueller. Say Ferris Bueller. Okay. I will.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty much the answer to all meanings. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Honestly, like just saying like a thing that kind of is applicable to the story. You can say, "Wow, boy, I love so much. I'm really a, a, I'm a huge cinephile, but I've really been interested lately in, in thinking about X, Y, and Z is a way to, to take that. They just want to see that you're engaged, basically.
1: I remember when Ken, again, my friend we we mentioned, was working at Bonafide, he would get these like random tips, (laughs) like, Natalie Portman's looking for a comedy to star in. She Mm -hmm. hasn't done much comedy, you know? And sometimes you end up meeting with those actors'
2: production companies,
1: you know? Uh, Like Kevin Hart, LeBron James, like those two guys are making like a hundred, you know, projects right now.
2: Kevin Hart's making everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so... Um, and it, it it is interesting to just go in with some sort of angle, and I mean, like what you're saying, like what's your story, and why are you right as a partner? Mm-hmm. Um, but so I I think that that's kind of interesting about generals, and that, and again, you know, we're we're talking about it in the scope of Hollywood, but I do think that counts just as much if you are a director in mm-hmm. the Midwest and you meet with a production company. The idea is, yeah, not that you need a job and you want them to hire you or that you're the greatest person in the world and they should hire you. It's more like, Oh, you guys are making, Mm -hmm. working on uh, adventure stuff. And I love adventure stuff. And this is actually I went camping last year and this crazy thing happened to me and it would be cool to make a movie about this and finding, finding those connections is what those meetings are all about, whether it's in Hollywood or outside of Hollywood.
2: Well, and I think that if you do the homework of knowing the people that you're talking to a little bit and don't get locked in because who knows they could be like, yeah, I know we did sci-fi, but uh, actually our bosses just said that we're a rom-com house now, you know, be ready to pivot. But it's more about just kind of being concise and clear with like what your point of view is. Even if that is a major pivot, it's okay to be like, uh, you you need to be authentic to yourself. Right. So it's not like when you go to gunpowder and sky, you only pitch the things that you think are 100% in their exact... Right. so Guns and Guns and airplanes, powders and sky. You know, you put your own twist on it, for sure, because that's why they're meeting with you.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which... In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint
2: Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation,
1: we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting
2: the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: So obviously you know the obvious places to go before a meeting is to the company's website see mm-hmm. what they made go to IMDb Pro see what the product their production company I would say on.
2: IMDb Pro is the first place I would go.
1: Yeah and you want to see and don't just look up their company but also look up the people mm-hmm. that run the company cuz maybe they were a producer on a movie but not the company wasn't doesn't have a credit. You know um, they all they all came from somewhere.
2: The other thing I would do and it's less effective now is I would go on Facebook and I would see who our friends in common are. Right. Well, so I was going to ask you about that. So
1: then you start the person, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram, whatever. Uh, Obviously Facebook does a great job of showing you your social connections. LinkedIn shows you like your more, your business connections, but, how creepy is too creepy? Like if you go into the meeting and you're like, hey, I saw you went to Michigan, you know, go blue. My cousin went there. Mm-hmm.
2: 1997. Do you know them? I you think know? you can make a you make a joke about like, I did my due diligence. I looked you guys up. Of course. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm thorough. Like that vacation in Tahiti was. Instagram is personal. Instagram is, I think, a little <laughs> weird. But I think in Hollywood, like, again, Facebook is like so old school now that um, it's so, uh, Uncool that it's not really valuable anymore, but it was nice to just be like, Oh, I saw that you and I have a couple of friends in common. I love so and so. You can make an educated guess about the clump of friends you have in common oftentimes. Like you all mm-hmm. know them. They're all production people. They're all people who went to the same college. They're all people right. who party at the same house that you used to hang out at. Whatever that social connection is, you can infer a lot from like the types of friends. The worst is when you get like a really strange smattering of people from all over your life Mm -hmm. then then it's not especially helpful but like most of the time there's a trend that you can suss out basically
1: okay so you have this meeting you've done your research i feel like it would be helpful to talk about maybe some specific meetings that we are having recently Mm -hmm. the new trend is obviously to have these meetings remotely who knows
2: how much that will change and when that will change. but Can I say the the main up, upside to that besides avoiding traffic and stuff? No pants, I know. No pants, it's great. No, I love having people's names on screen. I find it difficult sometimes at
1: home. Like there are certain times of the day where my camera looks good and other times of the day where it looks really bad because of where the sun is, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Kids, dogs, all those things.
2: Can you not upgrade your your lighting setup? I feel like...
1: I can, I just like, I don't want to move my computer. I, I just, just need, so all the, I need to the, do is
2: change the camera. The, like I just need to change the camera, like get a webcam. I think this is good advice for people. Video conferencing is here to stay. Get a decent setup and get a decent background because it is important. You know, I'm in my garage right now. I don't take any client facing meetings in my garage. I might've talked about this a while ago, but my friend Julie and I, we
1: created this show that evolved into a podcast that is kind of this YA podcast about this girl in high school that grows wings. Um, and we built this entire world around it. And we recorded a pilot episode, like a pilot presentation and then COVID happened and we kind of abandoned it, but somehow it got into the hands of someone that worked at audible and they said, Hey, you know, we saw your deck. It looks really compelling. Let's meet. They hadn't actually listened to the pilot presentation. They just met us off the deck and someone had recommended mm-hmm. they meet, meet us. And we had a phone meeting. This was Thursday. And I said, "Okay, Julie, this weekend we are going to get together. We're Mm going to prepare. We're going to. It started out as a TV show and turned into a podcast. So the elements we had are obviously the characters. We know the audience. The audience is really well. Julie and I both worked at Disney on like tween stuff and vampire stuff and like magic stuff, fantasy things. So we had our story down pretty well Mm -hmm. of like why we're making this and why we're excited about it. And we had the story of the world down pretty well, but it had been like literally two years since we really were deep in it. So we weren't super fresh and I was like, okay, we're going to get together this weekend. And the weekend happened, everyone got busy Tuesday rolls around and Julie calls me and I almost ignore her call. Cause I'm in the middle of like working on mm-hmm. some other project. And then I look at my calendar and I'm like, Oh no, our meeting is in 15 minutes. <laughs> we literally have not talked since the last time when I was like, oh, we got to get together. So yeah, yeah. now we have to have this meeting in 15 minutes on a project that we literally probably don't even have time to review our own deck that we made two mm-hmm. years ago before the project. But luckily, and this is just a, not a humble brag, just a brag, but I have so many calls on commercials where I have to like be excited about other people's work and just I've gotten to a place where I can kind of steer the conversation to the stuff I want to talk about and Mm -hmm. avoid the stuff that I'm not super good at talking about. And so I think our call ended up being really good. He asked us about if we would be open to attaching producers like the producers from Twilight or producers from The Hunger Games. And he talked a lot about the marketing at, at Audible. You know, there's so much audio content and it's just very helpful if you can say with this star or... I think even better with the producers or writers or creators of some other big YA fantasy Mm -hmm. property. And literally they all they would have to do is like, you know, read our scripts and give us some notes or whatever and allow us to use their name. And obviously they would get compensated for that. What's funny is Julie and I, it's not like we're in the same room. It's not like we can look at each other and be like, are you okay with that? Are you okay?" Mm -hmm. We just have to we're kind of showing all our cards on this call. Could you text one
2: another or no? Did you have like a, a
1: side? We could have. And that's, you know, in the commercial world, that used to happen all the time. It's a little harder now because, because of we're video. on video.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So people can see if you're not paying attention. And honestly, like getting a text mid-pitch really mm-hmm. throws it me really off. It really
2: throws me off too. Yeah. It's really and it
1: happens a lot. Terrible because people are trying to like help you or like pick a Pitch a solution or nine out of 10 times. If I get a text during a pitch from someone that's on the call, I know they're telling me to like stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's when I'm nervous. I just like I over explain and over pitch Mm -hmm. and I'm like,
2: oh, Mm -hmm. or we could do it like this or I saw this thing and this is awesome. Uh, I think you and I both suffer from the challenge of being more technical than most other people on any call ever. And so our ability to explain how we are going to solve a problem can oftentimes be very boring because we get into the specifics in a way that no one, if they cared to know, they would have a, literally they'd have a different job. I
1: also like, if I'm not getting a reaction, I try, I try Mm -hmm. pivoting, you know, Mm -hmm. which is not always a good idea because then I, I'm just over pitching. I'm like, oh, you know, I thought we could like at the end, we don't know who, who the killer is. You know, I thought that would be cool and would start a conversation online and there's no reaction. I'm like, you know, or we could we could tell who the killer is. I think that would be cool, too. You know, that's the problem I have.
2: I think that the thing that you hit upon that's the hardest part of, about all of this is that gaining traction is the name of the game. Part of it is that there's so much stuff out there, so many pitches, so many ideas that are well presented, but from really thoughtful, smart writers. And so oftentimes executives are just looking for something that helps the project cut through the noise. That's not creatively driven because they, they're just drowning in great material all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so saying things like, "I I would be really helpful if you had an executive producer who, had a track record in this genre is a differentiator. It's a way of saying like, Hey, this great show also came from other people who made shows that you love, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it can be frustrating because it's like, sometimes it feels like it's deflecting. Sometimes it feels like, Oh, well you, you don't know what's good or, you know, just stand behind something you believe in creatively or whatever. But like the truth is those people have to sell the project to people higher up and higher up and higher up. And at a certain point, those people are no longer creatives.
1: Yeah. The guy literally told us, he said, every week at Audible, we have a meeting and everyone talks about the projects they've found and they have to pitch them to the room.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: he said, he said, your project is exactly what we're looking for right now. Like no one is making podcasts for like 18 to 25 year olds. And we know that it's like a big market where we have like, I think they're tied in, they have some tie in to like people that listen to music, but don't have a lot of content created for mm-hmm. them. And so he was like, you know, this is an easy pitch from like a demo, like genre, all that stuff. He's like, but, but what would really give it value is if I could attach a name. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this is that he said he actually knows the producers of Twilight. So mm-hmm. he almost was like, He didn't quite offer up his own connections, but he, it sounded like that would be an avenue that we could go down. Um, Now, so my question for you, Matt, is he had not listened to our pilot presentation that we had made. Mm -hmm. And I think I kind of caveated it with I was like, look, it's not, it's not like perfectly sound engineered and everything. It's kind of like our initial thought of how to set up this story. You know, we're really excited about this Mm in the world, but from a production standpoint, this isn't like, Mm -hmm. super polished so i'm just giving you that and he's like oh great yeah i'll listen to it you know over the next week or two and so that was like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and we haven't heard back when do we follow up or do we not follow up
2: i think you do follow up here's the hard truth most of the time when you're talking to an executive they have other things that are going to end up pushing your project lower on their to read stack there's going to be hot stuff that's coming in their boss is going to be like oh man so and so just came out with an awesome podcast or an awesome screenplay or the blacklist just dropped or whatever so even though they really did want to get to your thing and they're not intending to be hurtful or rude or Whatever, they just, things pile up. And so what's tricky is that your point of like, oh, they'll reach out if they like it is true, but also sometimes it's helpful to give them a little nudge to remind them because it could have just literally fallen so far down the stack that mm-hmm. it just never gets read. For sure.
1: And I feel like even getting the meeting, I think it might have taken us a couple times to schedule it. So I can see that happening. Even when we spoke, there wasn't like a lot of urgency. There was more of a, you know, this type of thing is what audible is trying to do right mm-hmm.
2: now. Well, and, and what we're talking about again, certain executives, I think have really strong creative instincts and can say, this is great. Mm-hmm. And that just takes experience and time and passion. And those are the good ones. Um, um, but for a lot of them, it's really kind of a guessing game. Things are subjective. Screenplays are hard to read. And so no matter if, if a per- person thinks, hey, this creative is great. Or if they're like, I think this is good. and I, But I can't really tell. No matter what, they still have to have that other thing to sell the thing up the stream. So, so a good executive can be like, this is great. And I know exactly who I should take it to to package it up and make it happen. I know that Natalie Portman is looking to do comedies and this is right for Natalie. And I know her manager super well, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's, that's the job of a, of a producer, of an executive at at one of these companies, but it's pretty darn easy to be like, you know, I, I read a bunch of scripts and I liked them. Yeah. And that's that. And then you still have your job and you didn't put your neck out on anything. And your bosses can always come in and say, well, you know, Steven Spielberg really wants to do a podcast. So we're doing that one. And then you work on that. Right. Yeah.
1: But I do think, you know, if you work in development, like there is a lot of value you get from bringing projects to the company.
2: A hundred percent. But it's still it's Mm -hmm. still those people just need ammunition. Right. To actually get it sold
1: yeah and i do think like thinking back on it that that was the his point in that call is like hey i like i like your idea you're making the type of thing that we would buy mm-hmm. please help me figure
2: out give me how I can sell it. right exactly so <laughs> i'll if you, tell you if, what it's missing if you were like hey you know what i reached out to your pals mm-hmm. i mentioned that you'd read it and that you were interested and that you could be right for it and they really want to do it then you're off to the races.
1: That is an interesting point. Um, Yeah, or even if, like, some interesting cast member you can get to and you can Mm -hmm. point that out. Yeah. Well, so I want to say one other thing, like specifically about our meeting, which again, I don't know that I would call it a pitch meeting, as the guy had already read our deck, so he kind of had an idea of the world and the tone. And I think that a lot of new writers and directors and filmmakers, their instinct is to go into this pitch. With this document where it's like, hey, here are my characters. Here's the mm-hmm. world. Here's the, the arc of season one, of season two. This is how I feel like a lot of new filmmakers are like, and there's uh, such an opportunity for guest stars. You know, mm-hmm. every episode, a different person can get into the Uber or whatever, some dumb idea. But what I find and what I learned, I think, from like pitching commercials and stuff is like, I think what's much more interesting for them to hear about is why you're excited about the, this mm-hmm. idea purpose you think it serves like what's missing in the world that this fills the hole of like what people it appeals to and you can definitely talk about the story and you talk about the genre but I think like turning into like like oh and then at the end of act two this thing happens and the end of act you know like then there's this twist and the catalyst is this and that and like I think it's pretty laborious to listen to you know I'm sure (laughs) when you were at Comedy Central someone like pitched a whole pilot and to you and you were like eh,
2: I'm yeah i'm kind of falling asleep i mean uh, that place was so talent driven that it was really like oh we love your point of view how can we turn that into a show which is kind of another version of what you're saying you have to be a decent writer you have to have great ideas all of that stuff is th- those are the prerequisites to even just get into the building And they're either going to read the pilot or they're going to read the treatment or whatever the follow-up material is. So, to your point, it's like, why is this interesting is what's important. And really, what again, what we're saying is, like, what are they going to say to their bosses in the follow-up meeting when they go around the room and everybody talks about the projects that they read? And it's really good. doesn't mean a ton. But, like, oh, I talked to... Or an, it's really good. They actually already have some talent attached. It's a pretty hot piece of talent, or something like they would say something dumb like that.
1: I mean, it can even be something as simple as like it's based on this viral mm-hmm. video he made that got like a hundred million
2: views. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Traction. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: And so I'm curious now, kind of that. That's my point of view. We'll see what happens with that project. I'm not. I'm definitely not waiting, like, mm-hmm. hanging my hopes on it. But I do. I, I like that this project that I kind of had forgotten about, you know, kind of came back to life. And, and I do actually think it's a really fun world and a really fun project. And I really enjoy that genre and working with Julie and stuff. So I hope, I really hope something comes of it. Maybe we'll follow up with this guy um, later this week. But I'm curious about your project, especially mm-hmm. in the context of what I just said, which is like pitching the script is probably... Mm-hmm. not always the most fun thing to listen to you have a script you have a feature mm-hmm. you've written you are taking meetings on it um you are trying to get it made attach cast attach producers attach money attach a studio or production company or whatever um, makes sense how how do you pitch it and like how much I, i'm assuming there's the, basically two scenarios you're either pitching it to someone who's read the script or pitching mm-hmm. it to someone who hasn't read
2: the script. Tell us about how you approach that. You can slice it up even more than that because I think that I'm in the stage right now where a company has read it and really likes it. And we're working together and putting together materials, right? And, but this is a company that needs more companies to make the movie happen. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is often the case. So, you know, it's, it's, unless I was like pitching, you know, Warner Brothers, they wouldn't, and even still often at this nowadays it's like there has to be more buy in especially with tv but i'm going to have to pitch this thing god 50 more times to different people right and yeah i found i found myself kind of trying to think like what are the things that will make this bulletproof and in what order do i try to accumulate the different variables that make it even more and more substantial Right. So right now the film doesn't have any money, doesn't have any distribution, and it doesn't have any stars. Right. Um, which is complicated. Right. So the thing that is appealing to an actor is different than what's appealing to a production company or what's, uh, appealing to an investor. Right. Right.
1: And that's why I think a lot of times nowadays, like pitching to actors might be more of a first step i think back in the day like even five ten years ago you'd be like well i need money to make an offer to an actor Um, but now i think what appeals to actor some actors maybe not as the money so much as as the role or the script or the genre or something they haven't done before something they're perfect for and if you can bring them along to the money people then it's a whole different conversation
2: yeah i I think that that is true but also actors don't want to just say yes to movies that aren't going to get made or they're not going to even bother entertaining you know like actors know what sort of value they bring to the table and that is finite do you know what I mean if an actor an A-lister does a handful of bad movies in a row they're no longer an A-lister right and so uh, and also they have a, a, a barriers of protection that keep different types of productions from even getting to them. Right. Yeah. And so it is a little bit of a chicken or an egg thing that can be frustrating. And also it takes them a long time to read, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the brutal part about making offers to actors, you know, they have, they have busy lives and you can only offer one of them each role at a time. So, so this is the challenge of attaching talent versus For equity investors or just general investors or production companies versus not, right, is that you go to one of these companies and you're like, okay, well, I've got this person and they go, who? And then you go, well, they were on this show and that show. And they're like, oh, yeah, I I heard of that one. You can be aware of a show and they could be like the lead on the show. And still not be famous enough to move the needle, quote unquote, for companies if they're not frankly fans of that show or if there's not some objective sort of star meter essentially
1: tell me about kind of your upcoming meetings and what you're doing to prepare for them
2: i have been really frustrated because i've been in i can't tell you how many projects that were like backed by studios and didn't go because you get into this game of naming an actor and then them saying you know what they're not famous enough and then we name another actor and they're not famous enough and before you know it you just slowly through attrition end up with like oh you literally only can have the most famous people in the world in this streaming series on this new platform that hasn't launched yet Mm -hmm. and they're not gonna do that so I have a few strategies well, partially i'm I'm writing roles that I think are really appealing to actors, and not unlike the way Josh Rubin was really aggressively like writing things that would be really appealing to actors in so much as that they're strong, they're powerful, they're not underestimated, they're unique, and that I'm looking for performers who have perhaps been overlooked in the leading role, for instance or aren't often depicted in this way, which is kind of a sweet spot. So, so to your, your question about how am I preparing though, in the last six months, I've been really like writing, copywriting a ton of different commercials and decks and like pitching on all sorts of different uh, advertising campaigns. And the thing that we're constantly talking about is the hook. What's mm-hmm. the thing that's gonna grab you and make an audience want to watch? And we talk about it in the context of the commercial, right, or in the first act, or in the cold open, as writers. But that also boils down to literally every single page human of copy. interaction. Yeah, truly, truly. Um, when it comes to like pitching, that the, I know you you were making a joke, but that is true. Like, why explaining to someone upfront and explicitly. In all marketing material or all pitch material, on this page we're talking about the style. Why is the style interesting and why will people keep watching? Grab their attention. That's true for every single page. And so that's a thing that I've been reevaluating about all of the copy that I've been sending out to people, basically. And so that goes for the love letters on the offers I'm sending out. When you have a meeting with the potential financier, production company, studio, whatever, what
1: material, I mean, obviously you have the script, but what other materials do you have prepped for the meeting or do mm-hmm. you not, or is it just a conversation?
2: Yeah, so this is interesting. I had a really great lookbook that I was super proud of that I sent around to oh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of different producers that we know. Mm-hmm. And it's solid. It's, you know, there are a lot of skills that commercials give you and making a lookbook treatment is at the top of that pile. But what's interesting about it is that I found that it was trying to serve two different purposes. It was a lookbook and also a pitch. And those are not the same things. A lookbook is like a way of conveying tone and creative vision. Mm-hmm. And a pitch should talk about financials, it should talk about like the way people are going to make their money back or at least the commercial viability of a film it should talk about the way things are structured it should talk about the team members all of that other stuff i've split them up into kind of two different documents still giving the pizzazz of the treatment writing and the lookbook sort of design skills that i have for that i've been honing but making one more business and one more creative. Do you go through that book with anyone on a call
1: or do you just send it ahead of time or send it afterwards what's how do you use your materials?
2: That's a great question. I do go through it with people and I'm sure you can relate Oren, but I think that I am the most critical and zeroed in on it. I've sent that lookbook to I don't know 30 friends and I've gotten unanimously positive responses most of them being like oh this is like one of the best lookbooks i've ever seen and there's one detractor my commercial rep she's like look i've seen a thousand of these and i'm gonna like here are your feature lookbook Mm -hmm. yeah yeah she was like look i've seen a lot of lookbooks here are the ways in which you can make it better and she's the person who's seen more lookbooks and more treatments than any other person we know what
1: should people at home do to prepare for these meetings? I've had meetings in the room
2: where mm-hmm. you're like,
1: oh, these people are into it. We show them something. A lot of reps are like, no, don't bring a slideshow. Don't bring it the video. Don't bring it. Mm-hmm. It's just you're going to have tech issues. It's going to be a problem. The streaming's not going to work. They're
2: right. It goes back to my point, though, before and your point, really, that the those meetings are most frequently about personality and point of view and. And then the creative uh, look uh, when it comes time to really sell the show to like studio heads. Yeah. Maybe go ahead and bring that stuff. But like m- those early meetings are always going to be like, hey, let's reconnect with Oren. Soft pitches, Orin. Great. We love it. Make sure you send those materials along. Have the great materials. But like most of the time they're so informal that it would be sweaty to show up with a PowerPoint presentation. And I, I say that because I've done that before and lost the job. Right. And, and I, also been in the meeting where people come in. With the PowerPoint. Pay, with the PowerPoint. And and it's like sweaty. Yeah. But I have gotten, I've
1: sold the show off a proof of concept video. We just showed the video at the beginning just to give them Prime some the context. Sure. Yeah. And they're like can you have this show done by April literally after the you video? Should. And I was like, uh, yeah. should I still pitch you my part? <laughs> if you know, <laughs> we had the whole thing scripted. It was like three of us. If it is something that, that makes your pitch better, that helps you be confident. And I'm not saying necessarily PowerPoint, but you have an image you want to show or something uh, that you're, you'll be wasting time describing, you know, mm-hmm. then that's good. But yeah, like I think I agree with you that most times the materials will get in the way of your personality. But if your personality is not good in the room, there is on occasion the materials speak for themselves. You know? Yeah.
2: I mean, we're, we're talking about a very specific type of pitching and it's a bummer because like, you know, being good in a room and being good at writing and being good at directing and being good at show running are all very different skills. Show running and being good in a room, there's a lot of complimentary things, but like there's a lot of great writers out there who are bad at pitching.
1: Point is just do obviously whatever works for you and you probably
2: won't know what works for
1: you until you've done 10 or 20 meetings.
2: Yeah. And don't take it too hard if you don't uh, stick it. And also sometimes when you stick it, you still don't. Some of my best pitches I haven't sold and some of my like fine pitches I've sold.
1: Yeah. And just some obvious things, practice your pitches, pitch to your friends have people come online if you know if you have a really important meeting mm-hmm. practice before that meeting and also when it comes to scheduling meetings if you have three meetings i think the general rule is to take the meeting you care the least about first i was wondering though if you have a second
2: to endorse something with me oh i do Unpaid endorsements. all right so i got a funny one so i have a new baby And before that baby was born, my wife and I both stopped drinking, her out of obligation and me out of solidarity. And as a result, I started drinking non-alcoholic beers. I tried a variety of different ones. There's a beer called Partake. You can get them at BevMo. There's a handful of good ones out there, actually. You know, if you go to BevMo into their non-alcoholic section, most of them are solid. Partake is 10 calories. Most of them kind of live in the sort of IPA, like pretty hop forward sort of world. Like it's hard to find a good non-alcoholic lager because like the flavor is subtle enough that it just kind of tastes watery and shitty or, and kind of just like an IPA anyway. So just get an Mm -hmm. IPA or whatever. Here's the thing. It's awesome to be able to like pop open a nice cold beer and like have it at lunch and not worry about it. Like, it's nice to have, oh, I, I had a burger or I had some tacos or whatever. The best thing to, to wash down a handful of those different meals is a beer. But there are many instances where it's inappropriate or, like, you just don't want to live that life. Like, I don't want to drink a beer at 5 p.m. on a Wednesday sometimes. And this gives me the same sort of satisfaction of, like, oh, I love this flavor I'm giving myself a treat. It's not just water or LaCroix or whatever. Well, can I ask you an annoying question? Please. How many calories is in this beer that's doing nothing for you? 10, bro. That Uh, partake is 10 calories. Okay. Sold. I'll have 10. Yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying. Partake beers. They're available at Bedmo. Athletica is also a good brand. Kaplan, what you got?
1: One is if you're making a spec commercial, make sure to find like an animated version of the logo when you put it at the end of your commercial, (laughs) because I think it makes like a huge difference to see that there's kind of some design and thought behind how a logo comes on the screen. I'm working on a job right now. They do not have an animated logo and I feel like it looks low budget. My other thing is I'm just going to double down on this app I endorsed already called Polycam. I am just using it on every single Scout You need to have an iPhone 12 or 13 or better. You need to have LiDAR or you can use an iPad Pro. You can scan any set. I I would pay for it. It's like five bucks a month or something. I paid a year in advance. You can export OBJs. You know, you can export your model into any 3D program, Cinema 4D, Blender, whatever. More importantly is you can measure everything on the set in the Mm -hmm. app. So for the set, I just scouted this kitchen set that we're going to shoot at and we want to replace these cabinet doors. The production designer was like, oh, okay, I'll see if I can get over there. And I was like, you don't need to go there. I scanned the entire set. I can measure anything you want. And so I measured the doors. You can measure like the size of a counter. If you need to replace a door, you can measure that door, especially things that have kind of standard sizes, like a cabinet, mm-hmm. like a sink, like um, any part of the furniture, a doorway. It's a polycam, P-O-L-Y cam. P-O-L-Y cam. I love it. Now it's like my go-to tool that I can't live without for shooting things. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in, folks. We're going to get some guests on soon. We got a lot of people that want to be on the podcast. But if you have any thoughts on things you want to hear, things you do to prepare for a meeting, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is pod at gmail.com. Just write to us and tell us you listen to the podcast. That actually makes my day every time we get an email like that. You can find us across all social media at justshootapod. You can go to our website, justshootapod.com. You can follow me across social media. I'm at O. Kaplan. On Twitter, I'm at Smitey Pileg. Uh,
2: and you can follow me at Mr. Low. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. Great work. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.